0: Live from Arendelle, This is Darrell. Trains of thought.
1: All right. Howdy there. Howdy. Um. It's it's cold. Uh, yeah, Nick. <laughs> you were supposed to get a someplace warmer than Indiana. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, this might actually be colder than Indiana, which is quite quite it's, saying a lot. A it, lot at this point.
1: That is saying yes. It. I, I will say this though. It's pretty. It is very pretty. I mean, I appreciate that about winter this year in general. I mean, I, I hate it when it, like it. You have a lot of snow and then it warms up too much and it all melts. This year we got snow yeah, we, throughout January. Yeah, you don't have all that like
0: normal freeze melt, freeze melt, and it's everything is slushy and ugly and brown and yeah, muddy, and muddy. Gross. Yeah, yeah. We'll
1: wait another month for that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. There's a lot of people who don't enjoy it, but you know, look at look at what it looks like here in Arendelle. That's what it looks like in Indiana, yeah. Basically. And as far as I know, it might stay that way here in Arendelle for quite a while. Yeah, it, it's quite possible. Yeah, um, I hear the ruler has issues. Several, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how you been, Nick? Pretty good. It's been a pretty good uh, month so far. Mm-hmm. You just celebrated your tenth
0: anniversary. Tenth anniversary, yes. Congratulations. Yes, that's um, quite quite a long time. Yeah. So uh, what did you do to celebrate? Oh, uh, we went down to Brown County, without the kids, mm-hmm. which was kind of fun for what like three for, people who, to... for people who aren't tell, tell are not from Indiana. What? Which of you are not from Indiana? It's the middle, come on. Okay, um it's it's a it's like the only hilly county in Indiana. No, it's <laughs> That's southern a Indiana. Exaggeration, yeah. but southern Indiana. But in and it is yeah. known for well, Brown County State Park and it's known for its uh, autumn leaves. View and everything, but it's it's near Nashville, Indiana, which is kind of this touristy little antique place. Anyways,
1: it's a nice little touristy that not that not yeah. that anybody outside of Indiana would know know about, but inside Indiana, it's kind of the yeah. go to vacation spot, especially yeah. for honeymooners mm. and long time uh, newlyweds. <laughs> long time newlyweds. Yeah. Hey, hmm, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah,
2: you're just <laughs> you're just in your first decade. Exactly. You're still starting. Yeah, we, we got eight more. So.
0: Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Newton was signed. My head will stay alive.
1: Are we all set? Uh,
2: yeah. I guess that's
0: it. So we'll go to um story school. (laughs) Story school. This is your idea, so I'll
1: let you introduce it. Normally, you have to do. (laughs) Normally, you do that to me. So yeah, I suppose that's true. Well, this one of the handy things about. Writing blogs, I've noticed. Um, Sometimes we get an idea whether it's a blog that you've written or, in this case, one that I wrote, that uh, we get to spin off and expound upon a little bit more. Like, well, we wrote 500 words on it. Let's talk for another half hour about it. Because we can do that. It's our podcast. (laughs) In this case, uh, we decided um, for Children of the Wells, I take turns writing blogs occasionally – and the most recent one I wrote was about uh, the movie Frozen, and namely uh, the song Let It Go. And I said that, I noticed that... It apparently is in like 27,000 languages now. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. yeah, Disney just released some movie, or some YouTube video about that. Yeah. It's been nominated for an Oscar, and I guess, well, because I guess they, they uploaded the the whole song sequence on YouTube, and that's already hit, I noticed, say, like 51 million views.
0: Really? Yeah. See, I like the song, but I would not have thought it was that giant of a thing
2: yeah
1: well,
0: mean, i mean i really enjoyed it but i guess i don't know it is sort of a
1: funny thing haha <laughs> <laughs> in my blog i noted that it kind of felt like a lot of people were sort of missing the point of the song to a degree um because this song kind of comes at sort of a naive moment for it. i mean it's it is great for the character who's singing it elsa in the sense that she's finally free of having to, you know, hide everything in and all all this stuff. She
0: had a lot of repression thing going on. Very, like, cut herself off from everyone. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, it was
1: very taking her toll on her. You know, she just felt like she couldn't do anything. Right. Yeah. And it was very understandable when, like, after she basically was outed. Um, and then she was like, okay, this doesn't matter anymore. I'll, you know, just let it go and be free to be who I want to be and stuff like that. Uh, which is totally understandable for it and i really liked i mean i liked the song i like i liked its role in the movie but i noticed that like all the attention on that aspect of the song the uh being free to be who you are, was kind of overlooking the fact that, you know, she's freezing everything. She, You know, the movie is called Frozen because the main problem of the, of the movie is she's freezing everything. And uh, there's a lot of people that are kind of in danger because the, of this. The entire conflict of the movie comes from her letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah it's the kind of the, you know, be who you want to be moment for a lot of people. And I love that Disney didn't make Elsa the villain. I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I think it it's, I think it's a really neat move. It's it's a great way of you know exploring uh, sisters, and I, they had a great you know relationship in the movie. But I was thinking, if this had been a villain song, because there have been tons of catchy villain songs about villains have some of the catchiest songs. They do, and yeah. a lot of time it's about having things my own way or like every, I'm gonna show everybody else now. And this, you know, taking a hair t- in a different direction if later in the movie elsa had like because at this point elsa doesn't really know that she's causing as much problems as she is maybe yeah, yeah, she lets it go and she does it purposely away from everyone yeah i mean she she thinks she's
0: free because she's away from everyone not because she, she's hurting people or that she doesn't care
1: what's happening to other people exactly um and i think you know if it had gone a different direction and if it t- turned out that she did find out about this and she still didn't care about you know, other people, that she was just doing it because, hey, I want to. Then I don't know that actually it's ironic because I don't know that it would have been because that's not a noble character. Yeah. I don't know that it would have become as popular. But, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think the let it go aspect that – well, the you you quoted a
0: line in your blog I don't remember it offhand, but there was one – what was the line? And I, I talked to Natasha about right after, no, a different line for the news. Go ahead and share yours if you remember.
1: Well, I, I, it, may, it may have been, at some point she does say something about um, well, the cold never bothered me anyway. She, says, she does say something in there about not caring what other people say. Yeah. and,
0: and yeah, she didn't bother me as much. Well, I had read that blog before I watched the movie. But then somewhere in it, she says something along the lines of, I no longer have to care about what's right and wrong no, light, no, road, no rules for me I'm free. well Disney has a has generally a, a a theme going through a lot of their movies of this kind of like be yourself and you know the the old way of doing things is cramping your style which I'm always like ah, really and the th- this movie though doesn't show that as the theme but I think you're right if it was a bad if she was a villain I don't think the song would have gone off as In the same way, but I think
1: it taps into what people want a theme of life to be. I should clarify real quick here. We're not going to talk about Frozen the entire time (laughs) in case case you were thinking about that. We kind of wanted to focus the discussion on sometimes when people sort of miss the point of, of, of a movie or of a story. They miss the point while fixating on some other random thing. In this case... Uh, let It Go, it is a beautiful song, um, but if you're missing kind of the bigger picture of it, if you just separate Let It Go from everything else, then I think you're doing not only a disservice to the movie, but a diff- disservice to the song in a sense. Because the song is stronger as part of this greater whole.
0: And I think uh, that sort of distraction happens in lots of media from the main theme, but I think musicals all at, are probably more prone to it. Because musicals tend to make giant numbers out of temporary emotions.
1: It's the Wells Fargo wagon. It's a come. It's a big a whole song about a UPS truck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they just, let's sing and dance. we are sad. We're
0: happy. You know, and it, it might have nothing to do with what's actually going to happen or what the main thrust is. It's just like, this is a good time to sing. Yeah. You know, now good musicals like Fiddler on the Roof, when tradition is a you know big song, but that kind of is the entire...
1: It's an important theme. theme of, yeah. Of the whole show. You now, know? I
0: guess if I were a rich man, it's not as important,
1: but awesome song regardless. But <laughs> now, here, here's a question about you know this song in particular, and they will be interesting as we go and we'll go into other examples in a minute here, but it'll be interesting to extrapolate from this. How much, in a sense, do you think do the filmmakers actually encourage this sort of? Because I mean, they give this like a huge moment in the film, and I guess I've he- heard some interviews say that this was. Like, when the songwriters wrote this, it did sort of define the character for them, and they kind of moved on from there. It was apparently the first song written that stayed in the movie. Okay. So my question is, did the filmmakers encourage this in a sense without disregarding some of the other features of the movie that were built into it? Because, I mean, there is a lot in it about... Elsa does care about her people, yes. about her nation. So, But I think... Hmm, that's a good question. I think that they might have... Obviously, the way they built the...
0: The song itself, I mean, the, the trappings of it, you know, because it's a visually beautiful scene, too. Obviously, they thought this was a big number. It's like, be, be our guest. You know, it's like, yeah. this is our main, you know, pull out all the stops. Let's get the computer graphics going mm-hmm. song. But I think it's also because it's probably the most, the most emotionally gripping song in it. Mm. It's one that will grab the audience's emotions one way or another. And in some ways, that's all you really care about when you're trying to make a great song. You make a great song by making that making that one great, not worrying about the rest of it pro- i mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't have worried about it, but I think their their theme was probably like, hey, this has a lot of potential, it resonates with me. it'll resonate with the audience. Let's do it up you know and, and it and it is it is basically your your turning point from act one to act two
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean it is you know so there are a lot of things hinging on it. you had suggested I know. Having a reprise at some point, which I think would have been, yeah helpful. then you could have taken the same idea of saying, "Look, I've moved past having to keep everything in, but I've found new types of boundaries."
1: Right. And I, th- I, mean, I and I do love the way she winds up learning these are big spoilers here. So hopefully you've, you're not one of the five people who hasn't seen this movie yet. <laughs> I do love the way she takes control over her powers yeah. in the end. I mean, I, using love makes perfect sense. Uh, for this yeah. scenario that you'd advise. But I do think yeah, I do think having another big musical number because I, I saw some some guys online kind of point this out that the first half of the movie has way more music than the second half. Yeah. Like if you think about like the f- beginning it almost feels kind of like I mean, it's the most Broadway like Disney movies since Beauty and the Beast a lot of people yeah. have said. But Be- yeah, the second half is largely is largely action. Ancient. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just feels like if you had balanced that out a little more, as the movie currently stands, "Let It Go" sort of is kind of the big musical there, crescendo of. Is, of yeah, the, there's not really another song except for Olaf's. Is there after that? Well, no. There, I mean, there's a couple. Olaf sings. Um, then there's. Uh, the, I mean, the, the oh, and then fixed, you got the you got the the, the duet. The, oh yeah, there's a duet between two sisters, and then the trolls and the, the troll- trolls.
0: That's true. I forgot. I forgot. I just remember there was a lot. Right, you're right. It's very the first half.
1: Or first third is very music heavy. Yeah, because yeah. I mean you you've got music segueing into a lot of these yeah. these big scenes and stuff, um, and then they kind of not quite as much in the first. Yeah, I suppose more in the in the last third. as opposed to the last half technically. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought the duet between the two sisters. Yeah, was was pretty strong. Yeah. I don't know, that's just an interesting method. And as creators, it makes me wonder, you know, sometimes you can get really caught up in a certain aspect of your story that you really like, that you kind of forget about how, about the consequences of other parts yeah. of your story.
0: Well, we've, we've mentioned before that um, the fixation many people have on, say, Darth Vader and Boba Fett in Star Wars, <laughs> you know, they're fabulous characters. You know, they're very interesting looking Mm-hmm. And, and unique characters, but... They don't really serve that much of a point. <laughs> Both of it, especially. I mean, yeah, I, hey, yeah. hey, I was obsessed with him, too, but, you know... I never was. <laughs> well, I think some of it's the mystery around him. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, but it is. it does seem the... Well, power's always attractive. True. And that's partly those guys, and part, partly Elsa, actually, and, that, and, you know, honestly. Oh, yeah. There, there's something to be said about that sort of
1: this is a side note but i'd I'd be very curious to see if they're like because she's apparently an anomaly in her world but i was really curious you know they apparently knew about the existence or at least the king and queen that knew about the existence of trolls or that this could happen so Mm -hmm. it'd be really interesting if they ever did a spin-off or anything like that to see who else was in you know what other sort of abilities yeah but that's a complete side tangent but okay so what are some other instances of this i mentioned in my in my uh, blog, uh, Legolas, and Lord Legolas, of the Rings yeah. kind of hogging the spotlight. But honestly, there's a lot you could say about the filmmakers for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, <laughs> completely missing large the, chunks of Tolkien.
0: Yeah, or at least yeah, like they'll get his sometimes the outwardness of it, not
1: what was behind it. Yeah, the yeah. the truth that makes it yeah. work.
0: In yeah, a sense. and I think while I was thinking the other day, sometimes the some movies will be kind of overwhelmed by their their third act by their last battle scene, like you're doing character pro you know all this stuff, and then suddenly you have the scene where the two armies are against each other and they run at each other and you've got twenty five minutes of people just beating each other up and and you kind of lose your characters mm-hmm. <laughs> and i and you know because there's a there's a need to make uh so, A climax of some sort, you know, Frozen is an emotional climax and here's a different sort of climax. But sometimes the climaxes are somewhat disconnected from what the rest of the movie was about.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. I remember some people said that about uh, the Incredibles, which I don't know that applies as well because because they felt like the battle at the city wasn't nearly as interesting as. A lot of things that went up, but out, they were all, all the working. Movie. They had but they, the... they were all working together, yeah. and it's a superhero movie, so I mean yeah. it fits in with the genre. I mean, I it's... guess for some people, some critics I know, it, if they felt like it didn't transcend the genre as much as some other stuff in the movie, but well, that's that's personal. It was case. like it's like watching Wall Insane, but the
0: but the first twenty minutes are genius, and the other is not quite as good. Well, you can't keep that up. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's no, I totally oh. agree.
0: No, but I'm trying to think a book exact. Oh, like okay. <laughs> I don't know if this is a proper example or not, but Romeo and Juliet, you know, everyone sells it as this great love story, where I remember in high school, I don't know, with my teacher, or we were talking, and Romeo, at the beginning, had just gotten over some other girl. Apparently, he just goes from infatuation to infatuation. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could read it in such a way where, look, this is bad stuff happening. You know, nothing good comes out of any of this, but everyone takes it as uh, as kind of like the quintessential thwarted love idea, and you're like...
2: Is it? Is it? Yeah. Is,
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's It's been a long time since I've read it, so I'm working from distant memory at this point. But
1: Yeah, and that's hard to tell. Like, I remember...
0: I, I think I, it's ambiguous saw, enough. You can run it either way. Yeah,
1: I saw one... Like, I know a nostalgia critic talked about that one time, and he kind of said, there's, there's a certain extent of that, but I wonder if part of it is because their romance is so... Generic is kind of a bad word for it, but in a sense, you know, it's abstract enough that you can kind of write your own, put yourself in their position yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. So that might be part of it. But yeah, movies, going back to the movies real quick, I do wonder sometimes, um, you know, you, you were talking about like the spectacle of the third act kind of forgetting about the mm-hmm. themes of before. And I do wonder if part of that is where the the director or the writer's delusions of grandeur or not mm. not the right the director or the producer i should say kind of outweighs the writer in a sense yeah. <laughs> because you know at some point you're seeing you know the special effects and the costumes and extras and all this stuff yeah. and maybe that's when you lose sight of the story a little bit i don't know yeah and there i mean there's
0: a strong temptation for movies now they have to be big movies because people have such good tv and computer and everything else that do go and plop down you know how, how much money to mm-hmm. go watch a movie you want to make it what you can't see anywhere else
1: yeah um or experience anywhere else yeah yeah no that's true
0: dire cg planet and 3d glasses and or, or olfactory smells and <laughs> yep. so but yeah i'm i'm trying to think of a good book example but i'm not sure i i run in the proper circles do well do that <laughs> Okay, well, here's, here's
1: – you're a Ray Bradbury person. Yeah. I remember when we were talking about at, – at a recent Children of the Walls oh. meeting, okay. Aaron saying um, that Ray Bradbury had a much different idea of what Fahrenheit 451 was yeah. than people who read it. That's true, and I don't know –
0: again, that's probably the only major work I haven't read for ages and ages. Okay, so you can't really – I can't really say. But I do remember at the back of I, – I was flipping through Fahrenheit 451 recently, a couple weeks ago and just reading him afterward. Um, and he was talking about how there was a some version of his book that came out, or the school had come out, and they had taken out all the all the cuss words from it. And he was like, at least he said in that point, this is a book kind of about censorship, and you're taking out my words. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, hello. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was, or he was talking about also, he saw some collection of classic books in a novel, and then well, basically they'd Cut everything down so you could just get the plot from it. He's like, you'd ruin you. You've missed the point of reading the book if you've cut out the language and just gave you the plot. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like uh, most people think. Well, that's that's not quite the same thing. Never mind. Ignore that. That would be too too far off topic. I think.
1: And I guess the flip side of this, because we have reference, we read a while back, uh, George McDonald's essay, The Fantastic Imagination, oh yeah, and where he kind of pointed out that, you know, it's okay sometimes for audience to interpret things, to, to pull something out of a work that the author may not have originally intended. But there's kind of a difference here between, I don't know, I mean, where's the line there? Because, you Like, say one of your more abstract stories, like The Clock Tower. The Clock Tower, yeah. I remember I was talking with you about that sometimes. I was pulling things out, and you're like, oh, so that's what that means. No, and the thing is, I think as a writer, like, even if you write something like Clock towers, that is
0: purposely a little more ambiguous, there is a certain logic that makes certain meanings possible, even if you weren't thinking about it directly. If you're writing internally consistently and psychologically consistently and everything, people are going to pull out Things that maybe you didn't see but fit the world how it works. As a reader, I get to a certain extent the reader response. You know, you're gonna get everyone's gonna watch a movie and get something else out of it. But I think to a certain at some point, you're reading more of what you already have in you than what the movie's saying. Mm. I, those are two different things. Yeah. And like because sometimes I'll watch a movie or a TV, you know, something, and I'll be like, I got this out of this, but it doesn't really fit in what they were trying to say.
1: And I had a good example, but I don't. Yeah, but, yeah, I know what you mean. We're like, you're kind of projecting your own worldview on the, the story as opposed to what you know. Like, you can probably make biblical, you know, allusions out of Babylon 5, even though it's clearly written by an atheist. Or same with Doctor Who. Yeah. I, I remember, like, the, the uh, season, series three finale with Martha. You and I, we were looking at each other like, Martha's evangelizing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and the thing is,
0: though, you can pull that out partly because – he had obviously alluded to that sort of religious overtones. idea overtones, and yeah. and J. Michael Szczinsky in Babylon Five uses religious overtones all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's though he's atheist, he obviously sees something interesting, he, and he's very biblically illiterate.
1: Mm-hmm. But there are some s- s- situations where, where you, you can, can realize,
0: can... okay, if, he's he's not going this far, you can go that far, you know mm-hmm. yourself, but you you know that okay what I know about the writer and the, with the rest of the show and TV is like that a lot where like one episode you can get something out of, but in the context of all the episodes, Mm -hmm. it might not mean the same thing. Right. Um,
1: and sometimes you can sort of find inconsistencies that way. If you're like, you know, you're saying this character is supposed to be this, but their actions are, are proving otherwise. Oh yeah. It's well, you know, most modern romantic
0: comedies, they're all like, they're trying to, Sell, like, I'm deeply in love with this person, and then half their actions. You're like, Who in the world would do that if you actually meant this was any sort of real version of love? You know, <laughs> yeah, from you know, at least from my definition, it just baffles you, mind, you know, and then it undercuts what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. you know, be they'll, they'll do kind of the generic, you know, or, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm at a loss for a really specific example tonight, but
1: but you, but you recognize the trends,
0: probably. yeah, yeah, the trends, you know, they're, they're there. And sometimes when the people try to get kind of a semi-spiritual in TV shows, like they'll say one things up, then everything else you're like, obviously you don't. This is a very superficial understanding of any sort of religion.
1: <laughs> right. Well, like when they have the token Christian character who <laughs> winds up like just speaking without any sense of tact or real understanding of what biblical Christianity is about, then that's like a situation where you know the writers didn't do their homework,
0: or or they want to do they want to give the appearance of, of understanding or tolerance or something. Not not the writers, but the, the people in the show. And then it just kinda of falls apart later, you know, oh I'm a I'm a good guy and that well it's like um some show some shows with like the like a lot of post apocalyptic or more uh, kinda anti-hero shows where like I'm the good guy and I gotta go and be the bad guys and then he does the same thing the bad guys do, which I know we've talked about before. But
1: it's like you're undercutting your entire definition of what this guy is. Mm-hmm. I just recently rewatched Linkara, a comic book reviewer Mm -hmm. online, his uh, review of One More Day, which is a very infamous Spider-Man comic. But he kind of pointed out that part of the problem writers often have with Spider-Man with writing Peter Parker is that, okay? so Peter Parker is supposed to be all about with great power comes great responsibility. And yet, from his perspective, at least, and I'm not nearly as an avid comic book reader as he is, but. From his perspective, Peter Parker hasn't actually grown up as much as he's not. He doesn't t- actually take on the responsibility okay. that he should have as an adult. He base and the reason he gave for this was that basically, they Spider-Man as, as a character was originally kind of conceived as you know he struggles with all these issues and all this kind of stuff. The problem is they never moved him past some of that yeah. stuff. You never and that's again I've I've complained about this before. That's kind of comic book ongoing series problems and you, you, you in got you got constantly reset them yeah the, the problem i think the problem become becomes when it's when it's a character flaw, I mean, it's okay when you've got someone like Superman who's you know got all these good traits and he doesn't need to improve his. And his, and, his, his, good and his good traits are his flaws. Yeah, and his good <laughs> traits are his flaws. But when it's when you've got a character issue that just never goes away, then I think it does a great disservice to the character. Especially if the flaws are the the overcoming the flaws are kind of the point of the character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then you're like, well, you're saying he he's trying to claim more responsibility, but he's not. So. Yeah. So that's where even so, it is possible. I think even for the creators, the writers of a thing, to miss the bigger picture in their own story. And, and I think there's always a, a a
0: temptation. I think a lot of this, the problem, quote unquote, with these you know these big scenes that don't quite match the theme or the rest of the movie. I think a lot of it just comes to the temptation is in all in all writing and media. Kind of the main rule is drama, conflict. Mm-hmm and many times the necessity of making the conflict as big as possible will trump maybe something that'll be more in line with the character the rest of the shows whatever you know
1: with what's been established yeah yeah,
0: you know, yeah you'll you'll make it you'll make it hurt as much as possible or make it as
1: triumphant as possible or as as, as bitter as possible Kind of like the, that old cliche is like, well, why don't you just explain how you feel? And then, you know, sometimes if characters would just say what they should say. Yeah. And again, that's part of the dramatic convention. But I think yeah. it can
0: happen that if your character is supposed to be a certain way. You might subvert that character for the sake of drama. Right. You know, like if they're always truthful and then suddenly they like my, my least favorite of all cliche plot points. Is the two best friends, and one of them keeps something from another. And they're best friends. They trust each other. They've done everything together. And then there's one some misunderstanding. They break up. Yeah. And you're like, guys. <laughs> it was one mistake. You, you And you've been through like 10,000. We just watched an entire movie about everything you've been through. <laughs> and now you're just going to give it up for... And that always seems forced. It always seems dishonest but it's there because that's what you're supposed to do so you can reconcile them at the end during the climax and everything else Mm -hmm. so anywho (laughs) to kind
1: of the the point to all this (laughs) is uh, a point (laughs) uh, for for both for i think you can say this for both creators and um and audience members what is the bigger picture of the story don't go making a, a giant hoopla over there's there's something inherently hypocritical about making a giant media circus over something like the Hunger Games when it's supposed to be against giant media circuses. Exactly, <laughs> we're supposed to be critiquing that very thing. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just weird that like yeah. that's another example I made in the blog. Yeah. You know, and when you do that when you do stuff like that, it makes you if you're the storyteller, it makes you look you know like. It doesn't make you look as smart of a storyteller or as uh, proficient of one. Yeah. And if you do it as an audience member, it, you come across as the bad sort of fanboy or fangirl. Yeah, yeah, you got to – because obviously everyone has the little pet things that like, oh, this scene's bad. But what's, mean, the whole, what's the whole story – I mean – I mean, I get, I get if the actor, you know, you know, okay. So you're a girl, you like Orlando Bloom. That's nice, but as long well, as you don't like throw that in her face. Well, it's not like cameos, not just in The Hobbit, but in lots of things.
0: Sometimes can't, you know, are kind of forced. Is like, oh, everyone wants to see this character. We're going to bring them back for an episode, and they do make ridiculous plot lines, mm-hmm. you know, just so for the for the audience's rating or whatever.
1: And I think too, being careful of not fixating on a certain element just because, you know, that's popular
0: No, Yeah. What what gets focused on should be determined by the story itself or by, you know, the whole reason you're writing the story.
1: Yeah. You don't have to make the Hobbit a long epic thing just because everyone's making epic things. Here's a good example of, well, I watched World War Z. Mm -hmm.
0: What is amazing to me about that movie, that movie is largely about tension. And it goes out of its way not to show any gore.
2: Mm. I mean, there's one mm-hmm. time
0: when this guy's, like, the girl's hand gets cut off. The camera moves up right as it gets like, chopped off by this axe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a filmmaker saying, look, I could go for the cheap, whatever. Shock. But
1: that's not, that's not the point of this movie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was really impressed with that movie. Whenever filmmakers can show restraint because it, you know, a certain thing wouldn't fit into the context of the rest of the movie, I think that's admirable. Yeah. I mean, I remember uh, someone on Twitter pointing out um, when Mission Impossible, the recent one, Ghost Protocol came out in DVD, It's like as you watch that, notice how how uh, how little swearing or sex is that it, that's in that movie, and how much you don't miss it. <laughs> that movie is a fabulous movie, and like every. All the set
0: pieces in that movie are geniusly set up. Yeah. Yeah. Redbird. Bird. Well, here... Okay, and I, just because we haven't mentioned Lost. Oh, yeah. So I, have I, I thought about it. I, because... I, I
2: No, but here's
0: the thing. Uh, you know, everyone's mad at the ending. But if they w- had wanted to really play the game, they would have given you slews of answers at the end. Yeah. Anyone who was trying to get the... Which might have been dishonest for that show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that show <laughs> was built on the idea of not giving you answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, not real.
1: I'm that and, I'm I'm exaggerating, but that is but, a case of mark the marketing and the actual creative people having two di- yeah. very different visions of what they're trying to and do. And I think, it. and whatever you whether you liked it or not, I think the creative people they did what they
0: felt like was the most honest for the story. Yeah. Now, whether you like it or not, it's a whole not
1: other thing. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, I did I threw that in there. We've covered, We've said it. Be- <laughs> we said it before. If. You know, I guess in that sense, if you won't give the creator's voice to say what, like, no, this is really what we were trying to do. If you just refuse to listen to that all, then I think you're also avoiding the bigger picture in a different sense. Yeah. But why did they kill Wash? Anyways, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You know, I think if there's a mantra to this podcast in general, it is that's kind of a good one because yeah. we we tend to go back a lot to what is – what what are the needs of the story? What are the needs? Of the, the story should be self
0: consistent. Mm-hmm. It, it should not be affected by outside things necessarily.
1: So okay, yeah, so that was that was a good rant. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. It's been a while since we've had one that we really <laughs> ranted like that. Uh, at least it feels that way. So what what are but, we going to do next? Actually? Are we
0: doing soundtrack? Alright, so um, if we're talking about spectacles and uh, scenes blown out of proportion and things that have been fixated on by fanboys, um, (laughs) myself included to a certain extent, you, for for uh video game music you can't go much uh, farther than uh, or m- go much better than uh, one wing angel from Final Fantasy 7
1: Sephiroth was Final Fantasy 7 for a lot of people yeah exactly <laughs>
0: which I'm not sure I think I yeah I but, don't
1: know if it's really a bad thing I mean the plot for a lot of Final Fantasy 7 is honestly Sephiroth's off doing something bad let's go stop it yeah I mean it, it's focus- I mean kefka's still cooler <laughs> true kefka's kefka's Kefka would
0: beat up Sephiroth I think
1: especially like post uh, <laughs> post uh, cataclysm in the yeah. games kefka yeah, yeah totally yeah,
0: yeah. He, he has two wings doesn't he um probably okay but anyways so this is a remix of uh, black uh, of one wing angel now obviously everyone loves the advent children version which we're not playing because it's like 10,000 minutes long and <laughs> uh,
1: okay well it's like
0: it's like 8 minutes isn't it Probably, anyways yeah. but on Overclock Remix, they have a remix called Blackwing Metamorphosis, remixed by a whole slew of people, which I will attempt to read off very quickly here Fishy, Jillian Aversa, uh, Six Do Sounds, Stephen Andrews, Su- okay, oh, <laughs> Blind Tefnik, and Susan Baki. All right, there you go. Anyways, Susan Mibaki? Uh, Susan Mibaki. Uh, that's Lovely. a great name if this is how you say it. Um but anyways, <laughs> it's just a it's a rendition. They weren't even gonna to try to compete with the Advent Children one and it kinda goes through a couple different versions. It's from um their uh, remix album what was it called? It's right there. I know I can't see it. Oh, Voices of the stream, yeah. Which is actually
1: one of my favorite Overcock yeah. remix albums. Good, so. It is a good album. I I'm partial to Balancer Ruin more, but I'm partial to most things, six a little <laughs> bit more. I don't know, Seven's music
0: is really good too, but okay. But anyways, here is Blackwing Metamorphosis. And we're back. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that wonderful version of One-Wing Angel. Well, let's go ahead into Project Update. All right. Um, so it's been a while awesome. since we've done an update, and it's been a number of months, actually, probably, since yeah, we've probably. done it. So we are actually doing things besides we, podcasting. We are. It takes, it takes, you know, three weeks of the month to do the podcast, and then we have a week <laughs> to do something else, so... <laughs>
1: All right, Tim, how about you start? Well, okay. I guess I should start, uh, talk a little bit about the Children of the Wells novella that I have coming up, uh, which I think I've mentioned on here before. I think I mentioned that I'm writing one. Yeah. Um, It's going to be the next in the Jason line, which the last last, uh, chapter of uh, Jason's story just came out today as we were recording, right? Yes, the rules change.
0: The rules change, and um, in a week or so, it'll be able to be downloadable all in one thing for your
1: e-reader. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if we mentioned before that that was written by John Baylor, who was on our podcast way back um, in yeah like horizon- episode twenty-one. What was that? Oh, what, what, what did we call it? Horizons or something like that, wasn't it? Uh, was the unseen horizon? The, yeah, something like that. Yeah, some, I don't have it that in front of me, but yeah, it was the one where we talked about. Um, like keeping things in the mist, kind of this discovery was kind of yeah. the kind of the theme there. Like, Anywho, like missed the game, yes, like missed the game. But yeah, John wrote rules change, and he did a great job. He did a fabulous job. He, very good, very good. You should go read it. He, well, if you haven't read Fall the House with Kaiser first, if you haven't, yeah, you know. you'd want to read Fall the House of Kaiser. And what what we liked about about it too is we realized it was not one that. He wrote it in a way that probably none of the rest of us who are involved with it would have. <laughs> but it really needed to be written. Yeah, but it really worked in, in that in that way. And the rules change is kind of a gritty thing. Mine prefers to be more of an action-adventure sort of thing. I'm realizing a major problem I, I did with going with the way I'm doing it is that it has lots of locations, <laughs> and that's very problematic for me. It's... it's Pray for me. <laughs> There's all kinds of reasons why. Yep. Like, I'm very rusty, very, very rusty at it. And it'll probably be one of the longer ones. Yes. And it will be the, the first chapter so far, it could be cut down. The first chapter is like 3,400 words right now.
0: It's like my entire Will's Orphan. <laughs> it, is, it
1: is not. Give me a break. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: And Will's Orphan uh, starts up. Uh, about we'll probably beginning of February. I yeah. Was guessing. about Well then. Yeah. So uh, you've heard a lot about the about that we've yep. talked about it here. So you
1: feel free to if you're feeling happy, come and read it. So <laughs> yes, yeah. so, yeah, st- stay tuned for updates about uh, both of those stories in the months to come. Uh, otherwise, um, just keeping busy with my other jobs. Um, the archery tag where I do videos and my church, uh, where I do videos. We're getting ready for a big NRA show that's coming up. Um, oh, yeah. They're going to have it in the archery tag in a big arena throughout the whole thing. So cool. It, yeah, it's kind of a big deal. Nice. So, Very nice. So, keeping busy with that sort of thing and procrastinating on my book. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, that's what's going on with me. Nick, what's going on with uh, your projects?
0: Well, I had a 10th year anniversary. Oh, we had to talk about that. And, um... Oh, yeah. Well, I guess the main thing is the first week of February, I'm doing a virtual book tour for Unremarkable Choir.
1: Mm-hmm. Before we get to that, you yeah. have you put out, um, you've done some short stories since the last oh, time did I project Oh, I guess I have
0: done I a couple shorts. St- one, two, I don't know. There's one called His Death that I know came out since last project update, mm-hmm. which is a little, it's only like 2,000 words, a little short story I wrote. I don't know how much to say about it. It's about this guy and he meets his death <laughs> as a person and not a death. Well,. You'll have to read it. So his death as a person or specifically his own death? Well, he has a death that comes to him and visits him. Okay. Everyone has their own death. All right. Interesting. <laughs> Hence, they're called his death. I think that's the only one that came out since. Okay. Right. There might be other ones. I forget when I released them. They're, I mean, go to my website, worksofnick.com, and you can go and hunt down some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. They're 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 entertaining. I like writing them.
1: But anyway, on to yeah. your blog
0: tour. Yeah. Anyway, blog tour. Uh, what, they're done a blog tour. It's kind of cool. So um, my publisher hooked me up with one and there's this organization that does blog tours and they just basically the, there's like seven blogs that are going to feature me in the first week of February and uh, you want to follow me on Facebook or go to worksnick.com and you can see each day where I'm heading off to. Um, I've gotten, you know, interview questions and articles and stuff that people, you know, they asked me questions. I wrote them back. And so there's articles. Each day will be new content about me and, or the unremarkable squire. Um, it should be kind of neat. And then on the eighth, seventh, the Friday, I'll be in Goshen at a book signing at better world books, which is quite the bookstore. It looks like I've never been up there, but I think it's, uh, I think the Goshen college, I think does stuff with it too. Oh, cool. Um, I had a friend who, uh, had a book signed up there and she said hey you gotta go do this place it was great there were like college kids running around on games and buying books and awesome i'm like okay cool that could be fun so um that's exciting yeah
1: now i was curious about your so you're doing at least one guest blog right i'm doing
0: one guest blog most of them are interviews and or uh specific like one has a question basically they ask a lot of authors about their workspace and so you kind of Right about that.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because that was another question I had. If if they asked you a lot of the same sort of no, questions. they
0: were they, they were like a couple of them had just a list of like twenty questions. that said, "Hey, pick eight of these." And so can, so each day is pretty different. Uh, there is a an interview with Obed in one day. Oh, cool. Which would be fun. Which is interesting. <laughs> um, so it, it was actually quite a lot of fun to put together, and I I think actually very very cheap. Um, and I you know if I ever publish something important myself. I, I might look into doing it again. We'll see how it goes, but...
1: Well, what I've are you talking pre- about? You are a publisher. You did no, publish no, something no. important.
0: No, like, if I d- ever do self-publishing myself, oh, another like, self-publishing I think it would be thing. a good way to promote. Uh, I mean, if it's a, you know, a novel worth doing that too. You know, not just, hey, here's some short stories that I'm putting out here. Right. Like, I could see doing it for Children's Wells, maybe.
1: That could be interesting. Like,
0: first year or something like that. I haven't figured... I haven't thought through it. But, anyways... So that's, that's my main thing. I keep trying, you know, kind of puttering around trying to do promotion for this Unremarkable Squire
1: book you may have heard about. I still think it would be uh, entertaining if you did. Because, like, way back when you uh, had Strin and Fred come out, you, you did a thing where you had each of the characters talk about the book. I think it'd be interesting to do something like that again where they all talk about Obed. <laughs> that would <laughs> be quite interesting. Because Obed is such an enigmatic character, and, yeah. and you know, it's it's almost as. Worthwhile of just kind of developing, set, you know, interest in who is this guy as, as much as who is what is this book? Well, and honestly, the the interview with Obit ends up people talking about Obed. Oh, really? So, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's kind it's kind of the same thing. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, so good. I, so, so like because he's he's honestly Obed is the guy worth reading the book for? Yeah. I, I'm um, guessing
1: like Violet Butson and well,
0: Violet's there to begin with. You oh, know, okay. she's like she was going to be part of the interview. You
1: know? <laughs> she wasn't going to be left out of that. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so. Is it, is it taken from the perspective of like after the book or do you even get into that? Uh,
0: it's timey-wimey on that aspect. I mean, okay. it's taken as after the book, but some things are – happening. yeah, it's after the book, but some things that are happening are very – could have happened in the middle of the book. You know, the, the guards wander in and they don't know where Lana is and, you know, <laughs> so. Okay.
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to that. When so when is this this big week again?
0: Uh, the first week of February, Monday through Friday. Same. One one well, I'm on a blog a day, and then there's two days where there, I'm on, I'm on a blog, and then there's like a review on a different blog. It's two two there's seven blogs, but two of them just did reviews or promos, just kind of like hey, you know, I read this book, here's what I think about it, or hey, there's this book I haven't read it, but go read it. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I I'd always heard the blog
1: tour. And I'm like. What in the world? <laughs> how do I stop by a blog? You know, I'll be very curious to see how. Yeah, I'm curious to see what the reaction to this would be because you know, in my line of work, I've been learning a lot about video marketing mm-hmm. and about how to uh, do your channel because that's what I do for my job. So I, I'm really curious in how how this like you know, low key author publishing promotion stuff will work out. Yeah, for you. It'll, be, it'll be interesting
0: because a lot of them are book blogs that basically what they do all week every week to talk about books and so yeah. the, the readers are all looking for books mm-hmm. and I don't, have no idea what kind of audiences they have if there'll be a big hit or a little hit but I don't know, it's worth trying sure I think so. it'll be fun alright so we thought uh, kind of help kick off this uh, blog tour that we'd do a little bit of uh, dramatic reading of Shakespeare uh, of the Unremarkable Squire <laughs>
1: I, think I I might have let that go on a little too long. But I think
2: it works. <laughs> All
0: right. So we haven't practiced. This is live yes. dramatic reading. Live dramatic reading and, from The Unremarked. And now while Squire. Tim has been in plays, I have only been in
1: Oklahoma back in fifth grade and
0: The Munchkin Mayor back in sixth grade. So.
1: Well, it helps that your characters are a little over the top anyway. So that, well, will, that will accommodate my hammy acting.
0: Well, and it helps that uh, Obed is basically uh, low key, and so I can do that.
1: Yeah. So. So are you doing Obed here? or I'll do Obed. Yeah, you yeah. can do Obed. So. Obed
0: and narrator for me, Tim will do everyone else, which actually in this case, not many people. Other
1: chapters yes. would be complicated. Yes, very complicated. Like Mel Blanc sort of style. <laughs> but in this case, we'll, so basically we'll each be doing two characters.
0: Um, and this is basically right from the beginning of the book, just a few paragraphs after the beginning to kind of give you a sense of, it's a good introduction into the kind of the, the humor of the world and also Obed as a an enigmatic character. <laughs> so, alright, let's see. Where was it start? Alright. Now, there was a knight whose armor shone more brightly than the rest, as if it had never been subjected to mud, or weapon, or blood. He held his blazing helmet beneath his arm, so that his golden hair flared in the sun. His strong, handsome face glowed like a god's. His name was Sir Lance Valentino of Torellia. It is a good day for adventuring, Sir Valentino proclaimed. His piercing blue eyes scanned the sky deliberately, as if he expected a dragon to materialize and descend upon them in, in unholy fury. His gaze implied he would welcome such a challenge. Tis yes, indeed, my friend, replied Sir Armand Giovanni of Iliapha. He, too, held his helmet beneath his arm, though his hair did not blaze as brightly as Sir Valentino's, for it was several shades darker. His cream horse sidled closer to Sir Valentino's snowy stallion.
1: When did you receive the summons? But a few days ago. I was at the table of King Lamir when the message arrived. I was hesitant in leaving, for I am loyal to my liege and his daughter, to whom I assigned to protect. She has an irrational desire to escape the castle and flee to other countries. I fear she has been cursed by an unseen evil. Sir Giovanni nodded solemnly. Such things do happen. They do indeed, my friend. The injustice of it sears my soul. Sir Valentino smacked a gauntlet-clad fist against his armored chest
0: to illustrate just how deeply his soul was seared. Sir Giovanni, after an appropriate
1: pause, asked, How did you gain permission from your liege to attend? Sir Valentino gave a hearty laugh. (laughs) Ha 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 ha! He did not need to be convinced. The nations of Barn and Torelia are on friendly terms, and my liege wished me to gain glory in the name of Torelia. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, close <laughs> He was gracious enough to grant me the use of a manor he owns not ten castes south of the city. Indeed, my journey was not as simple as yours. Elafia is a friend of no nation. Sir Giovanni took his turn laughing. <laughs> but where is your squire? Last I saw, you had a large boy trotting beside you. Bull, was it not? Sir Valentino nodded. Yes, he is dead. It was an unfortunate matter, but he had no sense. Any fool knows not to startle a dogna beast while it is sleeping. He did die heroically, though. He screamed like a girl till his last breath.
0: Sir Valentino grimaced Oh, Sir Giovanni grimaced, an expression he used rarely, but it was recognizable just the same.
1: "'Have you no squire,
0: then?' Sir Giovanni asked as his face resumed its smile.
1: "'You may have need of one in the days to come. You will be at a disadvantage without one. Even now, my squire Nick is purchasing jewelry so that I may have a necklace or bracelets for each beautiful maiden I meet, as she may treasure it forever.' You are right, but I had no time in Trellia to choose a new squire since I came here in all haste. Then pick one of the locals, sir.
0: sir Giovanni said, motioning behind him with a graceful nod of his head.
1: You can relinquish him later if you are displeased with him after your time in Basilian Basilon? Ba- Basilian. Basilian is finished. True. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sir Valentino rounded his horse and turned his attention to the locals. Many stood intermixed with the adventurers, waiting for the king to appear, and staring at the foreigners and their weapons. A trickle of others squeezed along the edge of the crowd, attempting to go about their usual business. Boy! Sir Valentino called. Six heads whipped around. You, boy! Sir Valentino pointed a powerful finger. The indicated boy nodded and approached. He was an unremarkable boy, He wore soil-colored clothes that matched his lifeless mat of hair. He was not tall, not short, not gangly, not muscular, not anxious or arrogant. He was nothing if not common. His face was impassive, as if emotion never touched it. His brown eyes glinted with a cool life, not with a flame of rambunctious youth, but with the unclouded gaze of a mathematician or the unconcerned look of a dreamer. Over his shoulder hung a worn sack. Yes? the boy asked. His tone was one which he might have used with his parents, respectful but familiar. What is your name? Sir Valentino asked, smiling broadly down at the boy. Obed Kainos. He did not return Sir
1: Valentino's smile. Who are you? You will have to teach him deference, Sir Valentino. Sir Giovanni said. Sir Valentino nodded. You need to learn not to speak smartly
0: to your superiors. My parents don't like me to speak stupidly. Sir Valentino let the comment pass.
1: "'I have chosen you to be my squire, Obed Kainos.'
0: He waited for the boy's stunned reaction.
1: "'Why?'
0: Obed asked in the same polite tone as before.
1: "'Why? Have you not dreamt of rescues and sword fights?
0: Do you not desire love and glory?' I was not aware one had to become a squire to attain such things. Sir Valentino's smile slept momentarily before reappearing with greater intensity. "'Have you never desired to be a party to the making of history?' I've never given it much thought. I'm usually busy with work at home. Sir Giovanni laid a hand on Sir Valentino's shoulder.
1: Give it up, my friend. No! Sir Valentino replied harshly, but he quickly recovered. No. He he, re- he repeated nobly. I shall take him on as a challenge. I shall shape him into the ideal squire. It will be an act of supreme sacrifice. Very good, said Sir Valentino, of uh, said Sir Giovanni. You will swear an oath of loyalty, will you not?
0: Sir Valentino asked the boy. Obed considered a moment. Would you like me to? It is a great honor to be the squire of Sir Lance Valentino, Sir Giovanni said. He scrubbed his mustache furiously. That isn't what I asked, Obed said. Sir Giovanni's eyes widened in shock. Then he proudly turned his head to gaze carelessly into the sky. Out of everyone here, Sir Valentino
1: began in a voice meant for teaching young children. I selected you, Obed Kainos. He pointed a finger at Obed. I'm giving you the chance to rise above your station, to mingle with kings and queens, to savor the taste of victory and the- That's enough. I'll swear. Fun. that was that was actually
0: quite entertaining I really want to see I really need an audio drama of my book now <laughs> actually if they got someone to do voices the book would be hilarious.
1: Oh it probably would
0: It'd... Come on I just want to see uh, snivelwood and Boozle running around <laughs> those guys are great <laughs> uh, you know, that scene at the cave when they're like hmm. yeah it's ridiculous
1: Well and you 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 have really good voices for each of your characters like...
0: I, I was told back in high school that I do I do really good with dialogue.
1: Um, Which and is think, ironic because I don't think you focus on that as much anymore.
0: No, I don't. I, I mean, I think it comes natural, so it's, I've worked on other stuff. Yeah. Which so.
1: dialogue, I think, is easiest for me, too. I mean, just from what I've done on um, New Wells Rising so far. Yeah. Um, but anywho, that's, we better wrap this shoe yeah, up. Yeah, that's
0: true. So, anyways, that was Unremarkable Squire. If you still haven't bought it, I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. So, <laughs> do it. Do it. <laughs> Help a poor starving artist. <laughs> well, we're not really starving, but... Well, that's good. Yeah, we got uh, Girl, Gals, Girl Scout cookies, so we <laughs> can't starve with those. So, All right. All right, that's it then. What um, is it. So I guess do contact info
1: and then... Yep. Wow, okay. So, our email address is derailtrains at gmail.com.
2: Which
0: I always forget to check. Okay. And then uh, you can visit us at com, or please subscribe to us on iTunes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I guess that's. There's it. something else I was going to say with that. I don't remember what it was. So, that was completely useless. And also
0: just. Um, if you like the idea of Children of the wells, at childrenofthewells.com. Yes, we mentioned that earlier yes definitely
1: check, check and out and worksofnick.com
0: for me for my website
1: um, and if you want to do check out some archery tag if you've never seen it before yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll take those views. Um, it's just go to, U- I think it's just youtube.com slash archery tag. I think it's how, or just search for it on YouTube. Yeah,
0: Or, or you know, if you want a search engine, you can type google.com,
1: <laughs> Just throw the right websites out. Well, true. Um, and I suppose I should, could also say, you know, our own website, archerytag.com. Yeah, there you go. Or, I'm. It's. I probably have weird priorities because I'm. I probably am more concerned with our web with our YouTube than everything else. Well, that's is, your job, largely. It is my job, largely. But bigger picture, I should well, plug yeah. in the rest of it. So. But, All um, right. Yeah. So, um, what is your soundtrack today? My soundtrack. This was sort of a last minute uh, choice because I, I really had no idea what to go with this. Then Nick was talking about uh, the spectacle of things, and I was like, you know what? There's a uh, Pretty great spectacle in um, Final Fantasy VI. See, so you chose six, and I had seven. What? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> big, uh, big surprise there. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but uh, going back to uh, that, to the other great um, <laughs> <laughs> OC remix album from that Balance and Ruin. This is where that's from. This is the Nightmare Oath. Uh, if you thought, of, I, I know some of you thought, you know, the opera I was going to go with the rock opera thing, which is cool. Um, But but, it's 10 minutes, I think. Yeah, it's really long. So this, instead I'm going with uh, The Nightmare Oath, which I don't, I forgot to get the information of that up. (laughs) Do that real quick. Uh, Which, coincidentally enough, this is a song that I I really enjoy uh, singing in the car. (laughs) (laughs) Because no one can hear me, I can belt it out. Why don't you do it for the podcast? uh... We'll just get you
0: karaoke, we'll just get you the, it'd be awesome. Oh, Oh, it's probably not.
1: Oh, it's not on the main thing. Um, I'll have to go to the balance and ruin page. Uh, you, hmm. you have it up? I can in a Because I want to give credit to this guy. Okay, there we go. Oh, you found it. Um, no, not yet.
0: OA, Moonlapse, and some other
1: people. Okay, say that again. OA. OA.
0: Moonlapse.
1: Moonlapse. And
0: Arctic. I see, then it cuts it off.
1: Oh. <laughs> okay, well, go look in the show notes. So let's say who wrote this thing. Uh, Because we're running out of uh, in theme tunes. So, anyway, (laughs) thank you for listening, and hopefully, let's go when we get back to Indiana. It'll be a little warmer. I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) So this has been derailed trains of thought. This is Tim. Uh, This is Nick. See you next time. Adios.